God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for the way that you show up in our lives and the way that you give us grace and the way that you give us mercy, God. We are so undeserving of your love. But God, you're not worried about our opinion. You love us. You pursue us. You want to be with us. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for Christmas and we thank you for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, on behalf of everybody here at the church, I'm Pastor Jamie, and, and uh, Merry Christmas, uh, everybody. Are you guys excited about Christmas? That is terrible. Come on. I mean, we had the kids' service, laugh service. I'm expecting a lot more energy out of you folks because they really were excited. But my prayer is, is that you are excited about spending time with your family, about, about just getting together and worshiping God together and remembering um, why we celebrate this holiday. Really, it's because of Easter and because of of the birth of Christ. And so what a great day. I don't know about you, but did you ever receive a gift that you felt like you didn't deserve? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I I remember this time in in Africa in 2007, I was a part of a missions adventure. We were going over to to work with different locations, and we were trying to uh, teach microenterprising. We were trying to build water wells, and, and just we're trying to work with people that it seemed like everybody else had forgotten about. And I remember we came to one village in particular, where uh, we had constructed a water well project. <clears throat> and today was going to be the day that they turned the water on for the very first time. In the whole tea of history, the tribe that we were working with never had running water. In fact, the women are the women that you would see in National Geographic with the big jars on their head. They would walk 15 miles to get a, a tub of water, and then they would carry it the whole way back. Um, and these people, for the first time, were about to turn water on. And so to us, we turn water on and we let it run, we, and to us it's not a big deal. But this is one of those moments where I'll never forget when the, the chief, uh, the leader of this tribe, looked at me and he uttered something in Swahili and he went like this to me. And I didn't quite understand what he was saying, but then I realized my hands were muddy from digging out around the well. And what he had said was, is he said, with the first water that comes from this well, we want to wash your hands. And some of you don't get that, and and that's okay. But some of you get that, the the significance of people who have never had running water gave me the first water to wash my hands. I did not feel worthy of that gift. The other one is a little bit lighter because I was seven years old. And while I was seven years old, there was this incredible television show on by the name of Thundercats. Anybody ever heard of it? It was fantastic. I loved the Thundercats, and all year long, all I kept asking for was the battle tank, the panther tank. It, it, was, it came with a guy named Panthro who had ninja-kicking nunchuck fighting action. I mean, what kid did not want this toy? And I remember on Christmas morning, I, I sat down in front of my Christmas tree, and there was all these gifts, and, and, and one by one, the gifts were opened, and first thing I opened was a pair of socks. Thank you. Next, I got underwear. Great. Next was a shoe shine kit. Yeah, thanks, Mom. It's great. Then came the real kicker. For those of you that are nerds out there, you understand what I'm saying. I opened up to find the Atari ET game, which is known to video gamers as the worst video game ever created. Christmas was not working my way. My seventh year of life was pretty, pretty just bummed out at this point. I was angry. I thought, you know what, I was good. I did everything everybody said. I obeyed all the rules. I never touched the elf on the shelf. 
I was good. I found the pickle in the tree. But there's no Thundercats under that tree for me. And as a typical seven-year-old kid, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew how miserable I was. So for the rest of the day, I began to pout. I began to just be a knucklehead. And my mom at one point said, Jamie, you need to relax. Remember, we're going to your grandma's house. Now, if there's one benefit to the dysfunctional family, it's this. We have 90 bajillion Christmases to go to. And my family was severely dysfunctional. And it worked for me at Christmas. And I remember going into my grandma's house, which was like a museum. And under the tree were all these gifts. And I'm mad. I had my nice clean socks on, clean underwear, shine shoes. And I walked into grandma's house. And I saw as my brother opened up and he was getting the things that he wanted. I saw as my sister opened her gift, she was getting the things that he wanted. My grandmother was like a Christmas ninja. The way that she would wrap gifts, it was like someone wrapped it with duct tape and Kevlar. You couldn't get into the things. And so I remember I got this box, and as I began to open, I could hear my grandma in the back row yelling, Jamie, don't, don't ruin the paper. Who does that? And I remember tearing it a little bit, just enough to see on the cover of a box the Thundercats logo. And instantly, my inner child, because I was a child, came out, and I began to rip and to tear into that package like a rebel force. And as I opened the package, much to my surprise, not only, not only was it the Thunder Tank, it had Panthro with it. And not only did it have Panthro with it, it had, uh, what was his name? Uh, no, not Lionel yet. You're ruining my sermon. It was Snarf. It had Snarf with it. And Snarf was the squirrely sidekick of the Thundercats. And then after Snarf came Lionel, leader of the Thundarians. And then immediately following that, there was an ant farm. I don't know how that fit in. But hey, ants are cool too, I guess. So anyway, so there I was as a kid. I remember looking up in that moment as I squealed with joy as you've seen your kids squeal and go ecstatic. This was the gift of gift for me. I was, had tears in my eyes, and I remember looking up to my mom, and she knew what was going on. And she had that mom look on her face that, Dad, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like... There's like all the joy in the world is right there on that face. As she looked at me opening what I wanted as a seven-year-old kid. And I remember this so vividly because what happened next, I can't explain. Because I looked at my mom's sweet face and I began to cry for a different reason. Because I started to think, man, I'm a real jerk. I just got the entire armies of the Thundarian people. And I have made Christmas miserable for everybody. I'm so undeserving of this gift. And I remember looking at my mom saying, Mom, I can't take this stuff. I was bad. And she's like, Jamie, we love you. Take it. And it was this gracious moment, just as I experienced a gracious moment with the people in Kenya. As I received gifts that I was not worthy of. When we look to the scriptures this morning we find a beautiful, beautiful story that all of us can relate to because the reality of it is is none of us are worthy to receive the gift that we receive from God on Christmas. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't. And so we're going to answer some of that tonight. But if you have your Bibles or your little sheet that you got when you came in the door, I want to encourage you to grab it and we're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 24.
And it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, uh, excuse me, faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. I mean, when you think about, I know we've been talking a lot about the whole context of, of, a, of a pregnant woman engaged to a man. I mean, this is scandalous stuff. But Joseph put his faith in God and put his trust in God and, and stayed with Mary. And everything that, that was said to be true would come to be. Jesus would be born. And so we've got to ask a couple of questions. When I try to look at this sermon passage, you know, we've got the beautiful Christmas story, but something that's very interesting to me in this passage is there's two names of Jesus. If you don't know this, Jesus is like the kid in the neighborhood that everybody gives a nickname to. And Jesus has tons of names. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to take a look at who Jesus is through two of these names that we saw in this passage. The first one is Emmanuel, God with us. And the next one is the name that we all know him as, is Jesus. Did you know that name had meaning as well? In the Hebrew, it's pronounced Yeshua. or even look like Joshua. But it actually means Yahweh saves or God saves. So Jesus, this incredible gift that we were given at Christmas, has some pretty incredible names. So why? Who is he? Let me start by telling you this. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that he sat at the right hand of the Father and sits at the right hand of the Father. We know that his name means that he saves, and we know that his name means God with us. So why did he come here to earth? His name is God with us. Did Jesus just simply come to be a great example to us? Did Jesus simply come down to teach us how to be religious? The answer is no. Those are actually just really awesome side perks of the job. Did you know that? Jesus Christ came to earth, fully God, fully man. And he came to this earth to be a sacrifice so that we could dwell with God once again. Let's look at these names. Do you know God desires to be with us? He desires to walk with us. You ask the question, why do we need to be saved? Well, it's very simple. When you think about Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, I've had people say, I've said to people, you need to, you need to accept Christ, you need to believe in the Lord. And they say, well, why do I need a Lord? What do I need saved from? Well, I'm going to tell you. When Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, it was a beautiful relationship that God had with his people. God would come down and he would walk with his people daily in the garden. They would hang out together. They, they would have conversation and they would talk. 
God gave them one thing to do. He said, do not eat from that tree. And then Adam's wife tricked him into eating from it, right? Is that how the story goes? So Adam wants to tell it. So God created us in his image. He created man perfectly. And when Adam and Eve decided to disobey God and partake of that fruit, what happened was this giant cleaver came down between man and God. If you can paint this picture in your head. God is pure. God is light. God is holy. And when sin entered people, we were no longer holy. We were no longer pure. And what God made us to be was in fact now broken and fractured. In fact, a lot of times we think we need to pursue God. And a lot of times we think that we have to go over and find God because God has forgotten about us. But when you look at the story of Adam and Eve, it is not God who is hiding in the garden. Adam and Eve hide from God. And God comes down and says, where are you? And because of their brokenness and because of their sin, they hid from God. Do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ or or the message of of, of Christ has nothing to do with our desire to, to be with God? Did you know that? That it has everything to do with God's desire to be with us. See, Emmanuel, God with us, God desires to be in community with us again. And when sin entered the world, there had to be a sacrifice made. There had to be a payment for the bill that was racked up. When all the junk went on, when all the sin went on, God is pure, sin is not. And God desired to be with his people again. God desires to be in unity with you right now. And so what he did is he did something so gracious. Do you know what grace is? Grace is getting something you don't deserve. And each one of us does not deserve an eternity in heaven. But because we are all broken, messed up, screwed up sinners, each one of us deserves hell, but God desires to be with you because God loves you. So on that Christmas, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to be with us, to take that gap between God and man and to close it in. When Jesus goes to the cross on Easter, on Good Friday and resurrects on Easter, He forever opens the doorway for us to commune with God. Did you know that? In all your brokenness, in all your messed up, whatever it is, Christ will gladly take that and he will gladly pay the bill. Because after all, his name is Jesus. God saves. He sent Jesus to save us so that he could forever be with us. What a gracious gift that God is offering to us. Amen? Are you following what I'm saying, church? We've got something to celebrate in this time of Easter. We have a God in heaven who, who, who wants a relationship with us, who wants to pursue us, who wants to come after us, who says, I want you to keep the Thundercats. I am not deserving of an eternal life beside my Father. But it doesn't matter about my opinion. It doesn't matter what I think because God's jealous for me. God desires me. God wants a relationship with me and he wants to liberate me from my sin. So that's why we need a savior. 
Next question you might ask is, well, then how do I get to the Savior? Do I have to hit some special video game code, or do I have to, to know the secret biblical language of numbers? And No, it's nothing like that. In fact, as a church, i got to apologize, because church people oftentimes make this harder than it really needs to be. But I think we as people make it something less than it should be. John 14, 6 says these words, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through him. The way to eternal life with God is by committing to Christ, understanding that Christ is pursuing you. There's a lot of us in this room that we know about Jesus. We know who Jesus is. And as C.S. Lewis has said, even the demons know who Jesus is, but it doesn't mean that they're committed to him. And I want to say this to you tonight. Maybe you know a lot about Jesus, but have you ever committed to him? I'm not talking about just simply reading the Bible and going to church on the right days. I'm talking about committing to having a relationship with a Savior who wants to set you free from all the junk in your life. He's knocking at the door, and all you have to do is open that door. When we celebrate Christmas, people, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate the God who loves us. We celebrate the gift, the gracious gift that he gave us in Jesus Christ. And we can look forward to an eternity with him in heaven. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news? I mean, doesn't it make you just want to sing happy birthday, Jesus, right now? (laughs) This is a celebratory time. And like Joseph... You know, you think about Joseph. Joseph, in a moment, could have very easily said, you know what, Mary, I don't buy your story. I don't believe it. I don't care what my dream said. And he could have thrown her aside, and he could have went and did his own thing. But Joseph committed to God. He stuck with God, and he pursued it. And he got to be a part of the greatest story ever told. And I'm going to tell you right now, if God is knocking at the door of your heart, and you will commit to following Christ, and you will be obedient to that, I promise you that God will make you a part of this amazing story as well. And Maybe tonight you don't know what that looks like, and you don't even know what that means. Well, I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks in this room who would love to have that conversation with you. So tonight, if, if you've made a decision that maybe you want to follow Christ, that, that maybe tonight will be my night, maybe I'll make Christmas 2013 my night where I, I start taking Christ for real. If that's you, I want to encourage you, come talk to one of the pastors we have on staff. There's like a bajillion pastors up front here. There's all kinds of people around that would love to share that moment with you. Because it is a grand moment, it is a great moment, and that is the best Christmas gift you will ever get. Amen? The prayer is that God will bless each one of you in your time of remembering Christ this Christmas. And I just pray that you will remember his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And yet Yeshua, Yahweh who saves, is with you always. Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for the gift that you have given to us so graciously. For we are so undeserving. For the wages of sin is death as it says in the Bible. But you gladly paid the bill. Father God, help us to not take that lightly, but help us to just be excited and ecstatic ecstatic about that gift. Help us to want to spread that message to others. Help us to recognize 
that even a small light can be very bright in a dark room. Thank you, Lord.